Uh, if you could turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, I want to share with you, and it, it's a message of change. And I realized that uh, when, uh, I guess it was then Senator Obama uh, was running for his election, uh, he, he had this, his marketing campaign, his slogan was all about change. And it really resonated with people, um, the, the idea of being able to change things for the better uh, is something that resonates in our heart. Uh, what's difficult is actually doing it, though, right? Uh, change is easy to talk about, but to actually be changed for the better is what is so difficult. And this morning, I want to talk to you about biblical change about what, how someone can change. Uh, I trust this morning that um, I'm in the company of fellow sinners that are struggling to change from that sinful person, these things that we struggle with, to be the person that God wants us to be. I also know that uh, we hope for change for others. Uh, some of you are here today. And you wish your spouse would change. Please don't raise your hands. Please don't raise your hands. Uh, uh, you, you wish your spouse would change. You realize that there are difficult things in their life and it makes your life difficult. And so you say, I want them to change. Uh, we're going to be talking about that today too. This, this applies to that. Some of you are burdened for your kids. Um, some of you... Uh, quite frankly, are, are sick of some of the things that are in your kids. And you go, uh, that's got to change. That's got to change. This will apply to them as well. You might have loved ones that you wish would change. And I want to share with you today uh, how this happens, how uh, a life can change. How can it be different? Um, and I think it'll be real exciting as we look to God's Word. If you're in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, and I'd like to read to you the first five verses. God's word says this. <clears throat> Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And, and we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. God, we ask your blessing on our time as we look to your word. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would do your work in us and through us, and that there will be ripple effects outside the doors of here, uh, both to our community and to our family and friends. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So if you recall, uh, for those of you who have been here for a while, I've been able to preach through the book of First Thessalonians and partly through Second Thessalonians. We took a break for the Christmas time, and now we're back at it. I have three or four more messages in the book of Second Thessalonians, and then we'll start another book after that. Um, 
First and Second Thessalonians, uh, both of the books have, have themes of the return of the Lord, uh, that the Lord is going to return. And I realize that uh, for those of you who have been here, uh, you already know that. Uh, the problem is uh, we forget that the Lord's going to return. And part of what Paul was communicating that God wanted us to know is that because Jesus is coming back, that should affect the way we live. That should change uh, what we're doing today, our priorities. As we uh, consider God's word, I realize that all of us struggle uh, with the big issues of life, like paying bills, like health issues, like getting along with our, our immediate family members and maybe extended family members. We, if you're a student here, some of you have homework and others of you uh, need more work and you're concerned about these things. And, and many times we say we're overwhelmed at all that's going on. And as Paul communicates uh, to this group of people, he wants them to know, but don't forget that the Lord is going to return. And that event is more important than all the other events that we find in our lives. And so uh, that's a growth for us. That's something that needs to change. And so as we look to God's word, uh, Paul's going to, uh, he's going to ask them for something about the Lord's work in his own life. And the, so my first point this morning is the Lord's work in the work and the workers. Okay? Pretty catchy, huh? The Lord's work in the work and the workers. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us. Pray for us. Now, I, I want to identify the players once again, okay? Paul is writing with Silas and Timothy. Uh, he's sending this letter to the church at Thessalonica, the, the people there. And how does he know them? Paul went on one of his missionary journeys, and this was one of his stops along the way. It's really not a very good name, missionary journeys, because Paul, uh, he was a church planter, a church planter. And you say, well, what's the difference? I want to tell you, uh, it's real simple why we identify him as a church planter. Because he went, shared the gospel, and what happened? Church is planted. And so Paul, as he went with Timothy and Silas initially, and then Timothy later, he came to Thessalonica, and guess what? He shared the gospel, they responded, and a church was established in that place. And so that's how he knew them. Uh, most likely, these people were young believers at the time. Uh, maybe some suggest less than a year. And he's encouraging them. And what is, what is he asking for? He's asking for them to pray for him. Okay? Let's look at, he's really asking for two different things that they would pray for. Um, before we go on, uh, it, it seems common to say, hey, can you pray for me? Uh, our youth pastor stood up here, and did you hear his voice kind of crack a little bit when he was talking about winter camp? He says, uh, could you pray for me? Uh, I'm going away this weekend with all these kids. Pray for me, you know, and 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 why? And why? If you ever hear somebody say they're going to go on a trip like this and they say, we got it, we got it. 
uh, they're delusional. They don't, they, they're not in touch with reality or they've never gone. I don't know. Um, but uh, why? Why would he say pray for me? I, I think what's hard for us to grasp, and this is what we're going to be really looking at today, is that the work of God is different. It's different. That uh, e- even this morning, as I teach from God's word, it's different than a lecture. It's different than a motivational speech. Uh, we have a book here. This book was is many years old, and yet it's not just a book like every other book. It's above every book. And, and, and this book, apart from God's work, nothing will happen. Nothing. As we consider the work of God, Paul is considering his work to this group of people that had already participated in the work of God. He says, pray for us. Praise for two things. First prayer is this. He says, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. May speed ahead and be honored. That, that picture of speeding ahead is to, to spread rapidly. It's the idea of to run. It, it, it runs and it, it quickly moves. And what a great picture, right? It's that it catches on. It catches on. It's that it's understood and it doesn't stop there, but it keeps going. Uh, that the word of God would be one that uh, speeds ahead, but not just speeds ahead. By the way, um, this time is not an educational time. Primarily, uh, you know, the idea of us getting smarter by the spending time together, I don't know, uh, I think we're kind of limited there, you and I, okay? Uh, the point of this time is transformation and change. It's that not just that we would hear the word of God, even as James says, but that it would do its work and it would be done in our lives. That it would not just be hearing and learning and filling, but that it would impact the way we live. And so Paul says, I, 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 pray, I ask you to pray for us that the word would spread rapidly or to run in our lives, but also to be honored, to be honored. The idea of to be lifted up, to be lifted up, to be in our opinion and our understanding, that it be put in a special place. The word has the idea of being victorious in our lives, to be the winner in us. And what happens is this. The word of God is the key to victory. It's the key. I think about, um, you know, my understanding is that you and I both struggle with sin. Is that true? You can say amen at a time like that. Just don't say it too quickly or everyone will go, man, he's really got a problem. You know, uh, uh, we struggle. We struggle. If you're struggling with sin today, if there's things that need to change in your life, I want to tell you the key is, the key is for you that God's word would be honored above your own. That God's word would have that place in your heart. That, that he would grant you victory through tying specific scripture to your specific sin, not just knowing them, 
but now getting to the place where you are given to them, that that is the thing that you go against, not uh, that you listen to, not your own opinion, not to the opinion of friends, not the opinion of culture, not to the old ways you're doing it, but to this new way that God has placed before you. And by the way, the church of Thessalonica, they had to do this over and over again, right? They just came to know Christ. You come to know Christ, guess what? There's however many years you've been doing it your own way that got to be removed. All those patterns. Uh, first service, uh, man 69 years old came to faith in the last year. There's a lot to learn, a lot to learn. How can it happen? How can this change come about? That God would do the work, that the Lord would do Uh, be at work in his work and in his workers. Paul says this, he says, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. And then he says this, as happened among you. As happened among you. And what a beautiful, I love this. I love it, love it, love it. Why? Because this church at Thessalonica were probably young believers themselves. And Paul says, pray for us. Why? Pray for us that what happened to you in your city, in your town, in your heart, now in your church, what happened to you would happen again in our new situation, our new situations. Pray for us that what happened for you would happen for this new group of people as we go uh, and share with this new city. And I want to tell you, um, don't wait. Uh, until you get to be mature and perfect to pray for others. Don't, don't wait until you get healthy to pray for others that aren't. Like, don't wait for that, but pray that God would do his work. And so Paul says, pray for us, pray for us. The first prayer was his word progress, his God's word have progress of speeding ahead and being on. And second prayer is this. You look down at verse 2. He says this, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Um, I think sometimes we get confused living in a beautiful place, um, fairly open. And, you know, sometimes we look at the gospel and we say, well, the reason people, the reason people haven't turned turned to Jesus the reason they haven't turned to Jesus is because they just don't know. And if we told them, it, all we need to, need to do is share with them the gospel, and they'll turn, and the church will be filled up. They just don't know yet. That's true for some. But you know what others will do with the gospel? They'll reject it. And they'll hate you for even, they'll shoot the messenger, right? How's that for a good uh, message of, hey, come share the gospel. You may get shot, you know. Uh, you may become the object. Why? Because this is what happens. We have an enemy. We have an enemy that looks at those who have trusted in the gospel, the message of Jesus, the cross, who looks upon that as his defeat. And so he's working against it in the lives of people over and over again. And so Paul says, pray for us. Pray for us, both for success in the gospel, but also that we would be delivered from those who have no faith. He prays for safety of the messengers. 
Uh, I want to tell you there's always enemy activity. Always. Uh, the enemy hates the church. He hates the gospel. He hates Jesus. If we trust in him, if we go about his work, the enemy will not like that. And so Paul asks and he prays that the Lord would be at work in, in the work itself and the workers that share them. Secondly, we go on to uh, verse 3, the Lord's faithful working in the Thessalonians. Uh, verse 3 says this, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. Verse 3 again. Uh, wait a minute. Verse 3. I was hoping that he would talk about my faithfulness in there. I was hoping, you know, uh, that he would say, the church at Thessalonica, you, you're such a great church and you're so faithful. You, you do it right all the time. He doesn't say that, does he? He, he focuses, Paul focuses on the strength and faithfulness of the Lord. That you can count on him. That he is not changing. He is not uh, sometimes with you, sometimes against you, sometimes good, sometimes bad. He, he focuses on his never changing faithfulness. And he says that the Lord who is faithful, the one to, who, who saved you, that one who is faithful, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He is the one to do the work of stability. You look at the themes of First and Second Thessalonians, and you realize that some, of, especially for a new believer, hearing about the return of the Lord and some of the details of that, it could blow your mind. It, it could cause you to pop a few springs loose and things to fall apart uh, in your mind. It could just be a fearful thing and trying to get your head around that. And as Paul is writing this, as he's writing this, as he is communicating to these young churches, he says, the Lord is faithful. You can trust him. And that same Lord that is faithful, uh, he, he's doing two things. You look at this, and the first one is stability. He's granting you stability. No matter what the days are ahead, whether they be difficult or simple, you can trust in your faithful God. He's the one that you, you can trust in, and, and he's the one you should trust in. You should not trust in yourself. The, the second um, thing that he, he talks about that the Lord is, is doing for the Thessalonica church is he's talking about, he says, he will establish you and guard you. Those two words, very important. First one uh, to establish you. It's it's good footing, right? Uh, one of the themes that Paul uh, has throughout the scripture, I think of 1 Corinthians and um, quite a few other, Peter as well, this idea of standing firm. As believers, once you've come to know the gospel, it's not about constantly changing your mind, changing your mind, getting a new answer. It's staying with the gospel, standing firm. And Apart from Christ, we just kind of blow whichever way the wind blows. Uh, we change our answers. Uh, one, this one doesn't work. I get another one, get another one, try this one. This one doesn't work. And we just continually change our answers. And it's chaos. It's just 
uh, being tossed from side to side. James talks about that. But the idea here is establishing that uh, the Lord's work, Christ's work in your life is to, to found you so that you could get stuck on the right answer. And that you could trust him through the difficulties of life. The second part of that is that he wants to protect them. Once again, the enemy activity, the enemy activity. Uh, the enemy has a desire to discourage you about your faith, to draw you away from your faith. And Paul says, uh, as, you, as you look at this verse, uh, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. That word guard is a military term. It's, it's the idea that uh, guarding will, will be the one to stand in between the one who is the target and the Lord himself. Okay, we'll guard you. I want to tell you that you're in danger. You're in danger. And so you need the Lord. You need the Lord daily, his protection of you. You say, well, I don't feel, um, I don't feel at risk or I don't feel attacked or anything. Most of the time it's through the mind. Most of the time. Most of the time it's through your thoughts. Sometimes he'll use the past. Sometimes he'll use your failures. Sometimes he'll draw you away and say, God doesn't really love you. Very old, old accusation. You look at these things and the attack comes. And how do we withstand those? Well, the Lord's power, his work, his desire for us is that he would establish us and that he would protect us. Comes to my third point this morning. The Lord uh, causing them or working for them to be obedient or be obedient. You look down at verse four, it says this. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Confidence, once again, he doesn't say we have confidence in you. He says, I have confidence in the Lord. Um, we, we had staff meeting maybe three, four weeks ago. Pastor Mike Lore has moved. Uh, he's been gone about a month. And uh, we were kind of having our final um, staff meeting. Not, not like the final supper or anything like that, but the final staff meeting. And we were talking, and Mike's a real serious guy, and he was sharing. And, and I, I stopped the meeting somewhere in the middle. And I said, Mike, aren't you, aren't, you know, you're leaving. Aren't you afraid we're just going to mess everything up here? And uh, and Mike said, well, no, well, no. And I said, well, why? Why? And he says, well, I've seen the Lord do this. I've seen the Lord's work in preserving this church. I've seen the work of the Lord in your life. And I've seen the Lord do this in my, like, he, and he, he says, so I, so I know that he can be trusted for the future. And there was something uh, peculiar about his answer. He had no trust in us whatsoever. None. That's it, isn't it? If we had to trust one another for the work of the Lord, if it depended on any one of us or even us collectively in our sinful, selfish failings, I want to tell you that... Uh, Paul, as he looked upon this, 
He had confidence in the Lord about the work that he was going to share with them, that they would be obedient. Uh, Just quick note here. As Paul wrote to them, he was instructing them, uh, inspired by God, right? God was giving the marching orders to the church at Thessalonica through Paul. And so as he shared commands with them, they were not Paul's ideas. Uh, They were God's. They're from God. And so uh, they were required and needed to obey uh, what Paul had shared. Which brings us to my last point, number four. The Lord's work in bringing you to him. And this is my favorite point of the morning. Favorite point of the morning. The rest were all good, but this is great. Okay. Um, Verse five, he says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. We look at this passage in terms of the work of the Lord. Uh, The Lord worked in, you know, he's looking for salvation, that the word would go forth and obedience. You you got all the, the Lord's work, the Lord's work. Okay. And then this last verse looks to really the day and the future. And he says, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. You see that word heart, um, really both Old and New Testament, most of the time it's for the person. It's grand central station. You know, it's the, the, the thing that identifies us as us. And he says, of that, of that, I want to direct it. I, I, may God do his work in directing that to a specific place, really to Two specific things. The first one being the love of God. The love of God. That we would be continually drawn and directed, that our hearts would be moved to the love of God. I want to tell you, this is meant to be for us to know that this is God's heart for us. That he wants us to dwell, to think, to be drawn to his love for us. And when we look at the plan of our lives or the plan of history or whatever, to know that that represents God's love for us. And probably in the greatest sense of the love gift of his son, Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his son, he gave him. And as you think about the love of God, to be drawn back to that event of the cross, that Jesus died for sinners, and I'm a sinner. That, that the Lord would direct our hearts and gather our hearts and draw our hearts to think and dwell and to live thinking about the love of God. The second thing he says uh, in this list of drawing or directing is the steadfastness of Christ. When you think of steadfastness, it's the idea of persevering or the idea of continually, patiently walking difficult roads. And he says, I, I want to direct you. I want you to be directed in your hearts to uh, the, the perseverance or the, the idea, the patience of Christ. And you just got to think about that. You go, in the Old Testament, Uh, Christ is not in the Old Testament in bodily form. He is not the one 
that is interacting, and yet you see different places where uh, we assume to be Christ working in the Old Testament. We also see the hope of Messiah, but not yet, but not yet. In the Old Testament, it's not yet. And, and so there's a patience to the, the playing out of history until the time of Christ. And then Christ comes to the earth. And what happens then? Rejection. He grows to be a man. Has to experience the growing up of growing up in a sinful world. He, he experiences as he grows to be a man. And he begins to teach the rejection of his teaching. In him doing his miracles over and over again, he's rejected and even thought of as bad when he does good. And you see this this persevering, this this idea that Christ continued on. As you see him go to the cross, you realize that it was intense. And every at every point, all that rejection kind of came to a head. And then uh, on the cross... His steadfast love or his uh, persevering love kept him there. Why? For you and for me. And now uh, he waits to return. He waits to return. And even in this book, speaking of his return, he waits to return. Some of you would say, well, he's waiting too long. And the answer is in Second Peter, right? Where it says he's, he's not slow or uh, he, he hasn't forgotten his watch or whatever. But he is patient, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And you look at that and you realize the plan of God is playing out, but but Christ has not returned. And there's a steadfastness there. And, and I want to tell you, for us, he wants to draw us to the steadfastness of Christ. How he approached things in a patient, step-by-step manner, enduring, enduring persecution. Enduring difficult days. The love of God, the steadfastness of Christ. As you look at this, you realize that this is what uh, the Lord has for me today. This is what he wants to do in me today. I have three things for you this morning that will hopefully tie up our passage and maybe be helpful for you to think about as you leave from here today. First of all is this, pray for change. Pray for change. Uh, pray for change in yourself first. There's stuff that you know is wrong, that you know needs to be removed. Pray for change. Ask that God would do a work in you, that the, the Christ who saved you would intimately be involved in the things you struggle with. Pray for change in your family, in your friends, in your, in your children, in your spouse. Pray for change in this church and other churches you know of. Pray for change. Second, uh, as you consider uh, this passage, know this, that his destination for you is him. His destination for you is him. You, you wonder what the future holds. Sometimes we, we go, oh, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. If he wants me to do something great and grand and Maybe he wants me to move. Maybe he wants me to get another job. Maybe he wants me to uh, get married. Or he, There's something great out there. there. Somehow, I want to tell you, his destination for you, what he wants to do is that you would be close to himself. 
When you see the love of God, the steadfastness of Christ, you realize that that's what he wants you to draw you to, away from those other things that you've trusted, away from those other ideas, himself, his destination. What he wants to do in your life is that you would be closer to him. And lastly, real simple one, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. This passage is about the Lord. It's about his power. Really, there's four of the Lords in there, by the way. It's just three. Three sounds better, but there's four in the passage. It's about the Lord's work. Sometimes we think it's all about me having a better plan. Yeah, that's true. Pray. And your plan should be the Lord. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I come from a, a... a family where there's construction. I got to be with a lot of framer types at working. And they they had this saying, if it doesn't fit, get a bigger hammer. Uh, I want to tell you, um, that's not a good idea when it comes to your marriage. It's not a good idea when it comes to your kids, Right? It's not about you saying, I will make this fit. I will bring about change. I will be able to, through this pressure that I can put on, I can bring about change in someone. I want to tell you, bad idea. Bad idea. Doesn't work. Um, You do this in parenting, by the way. If you're just wanting to change a behavior, you want to stop your kid from doing this. I want to tell you, you can stop them from doing this. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to trade this for that, right? What we're talking about here is a change only the Lord can bring. And so so what it is, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He's the one that brings about change. And for us to remember that, this isn't about us doing everything that we can do and making things happen. It's about us trusting him and then acting upon uh, with an attitude. I trust him. I pray about this. He's the one who brings about change. Please join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of baptism. Thank you for uh, just all the encouragement of seeing lives being changed, uh, from taking us from being sinners who are lost chaotic and God that you want to continue that work in us that you want to draw us to yourself you want to stabilize us you want to protect us God we ask that you would be intimately involved in providing all that we need for the work and workers here God thank you for this time in Jesus name amen thank you so much for being here today you are dismissed